Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of What the Politics. Emily and I decided to invite a historian to kind of help put in context the events that happened on January 6th. I know a lot of us are feeling sad, worried, anxious about what's going to happen in the next few days, but hopefully this historian can tell us a little bit about our American history and put what happened into context to kind of give, it, give us an idea of how to move forward. And our special guest for today is Dr. William Barney, who is a professor at UNC Chapel Hill. And his area of expertise includes Civil War and Reconstruction, um, Secession, and what happened in the Old South in the early days of American history. And we're going to let our special guest introduce himself. I teach history at uh, UNC Chapel Hill, have seemingly forever since 1975, but still enjoy the work and uh, working with students, but... uh, that's basically who I am. And um, we try to also give our audience a sense of personality about the per- about the person that we are interviewing. So we like to ask like a little personality question. And our question for you is, how do you um, spend your Sundays? Spending my Sundays? Well, since uh, we've gone to uh, remote teaching, which requires, uh, well, in my courses, a lot of uh, papers emailed to me. Uh, I spend far too much of Sunday uh, basically evaluating papers, and I try to maintain my sanity by uh, checking into uh, some uh, football or some sports to change change the pace. But Sundays have become a work day uh, since we've gone to remote teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we can definitely relate to that. (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to get right into our topic, which is what happened on January 6th. Can okay. you, where were you when, when this moment happened, when, when the protests were starting and when basically the uh, momentum of that day was starting to pick up? Well, I was working at home on my computer, uh, preparing my courses for the spring term, and know about every uh, 15, 20 minutes, I might check back to Yahoo News to see what's going on. And uh, that's when I first uh, realized what was happening. I then got a call from my daughter, who lives in Chapel Hill and works here, and uh, realized that uh, hmm, this is much more serious than I first might, might have thought. And then, of course, followed it for the rest of the day. Sure. So what are your reactions summing up that day? Um, You know, it's over a week or so later. What are your final reactions to what happened last week? Well, I suppose like so many, on one hand, disbelief. And on the other hand, well, we should have seen it coming. But uh, shock, dismay. And I'm simply, I uh, simply cannot understand why Americans are more upset over the fact that uh, probably the most precious attribute of this country, aside from the Bill of Rights, is uh, our uh, political system in which uh, 
power transfers peacefully. And to challenge that is challenge everything that we've always taken for granted. It was appalling. Sure. And you said, you know, it's something that kind of should have been anticipated or, you know, we should have seen it coming. What do you mean by that? Well, certainly all the chatter on uh, social media and all the boasting and uh, the buildup that's actually been going on for at least a generation it came to a climax given the, um, well, the genius of our current president and uh, stoking and expressing the frustrations of uh, certainly a good chunk of Americans, a solid minority. And uh, ever since uh, the election in November, where it seems like it was years ago, uh, it did seem to be building up to some sort of a climax. And I hope that climax has already occurred and that we're not uh, going to undergo a uh, a second version of it uh, next week. Right. Mm -hmm. And so can you put into context what happened on January 6th? There was uh, what news outlets are calling a riot, a mob taking over the Capitol. Some people are calling it a coup, although there's a lot of contention with using that word. Has there been an incident like this before in American history? Um, Or to the level that kind of shocked the nation to the point where it's making us question the division between Americans right now? Well, uh, an obvious parallel would, of course, be the crisis of 1860-61, in which, uh, again, we had a long buildup of tensions Uh, literally fistfights at the floor of Congress in the late 50s, the the shock of the uh, brutal uh, caning and beating of Senator Charles Sumner by Representative Preston Brooks from South Carolina, Um, probably the reaction of the Sumner caning would be the closest because it occurred within the uh, U.S. Capitol or within Senate chambers, and it certainly exposed the uh, increasing ideological divide between uh, far too many Northerners and far too many Southerners. Uh, that would probably be that would probably be the closest. Yeah, that's a great example, and I've I, you know a lot of people are also making that comparison to 1812. Um, you know, right after um, or right during the Civil War. Excuse me. Um, you know, breaching the Capitol and and getting into our government buildings. Is that a fair comparison as well? Because that's one that, you know, a lot of people are making as well. Uh, You're referring to the secession crisis and what Southerners did? Well, it is uh, striking, I think, that uh, Southerners, um, oddly enough, ironically enough, accepted the results of the election of 1860. Uh, They thought that the... uh, Deck was stacked against them since Lincoln, given the action of individual southern states, was not on the ballot in the vast majority of the slave states. But they accepted the results and uh, then falling back upon their strained theory of the Constitution, uh, presumably granting them a legal right to uh, secede. Uh, they didn't try to invade the Capitol or take it over. They said, well, okay. 
uh, we're, we're simply going to go our own way. And, uh, well, one thing led to another, obviously, and we eventually got the war. But um, a storming of the Capitol or a physical assault upon the institutions of government, uh, no. Um, there were stirrings uh, back in the late 1790s with uh, Jefferson's Republican Party outraged at new policies embarked upon by the Federalists that the uh, militia would uh, protect Virginians from any intrusion of federal centralized authority. Uh, there was at least a potential for a flare-up, but ironically, Jefferson's advice to members of his party was, wait, we have a, a national election coming up within two years, and let's concentrate upon winning that. And, of course, the great precedent that was set, and I don't think he's ever been given enough credit for it, the great precedent that was set in that election was that the outgoing president, although he despised many aspects of Jefferson's Republican Party, uh, agreed to the peaceful transfer of power. That was, and we've always taken that for granted, and we shouldn't. Again, that's the crown jewel, the stability, apart from the, uh, well, obvious exception of the Civil War. Uh, that is the key to the durability of the Constitution and the success of our democratic inst institutions. As Lincoln put it, we decide questions either by the ballot box or by violence. And um, again, that that is so, so precious. And again, it reminds us of the redeeming virtue of political parties. I mean, probably everyone could come up with a reason why they don't like political parties and go on and on. But the bottom line is it's better to have the politicians screaming at one another than shooting at one another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and do you think when when people are assessing what's happening right now, that we can, personally, what I'm seeing is, is a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear about what's going to happen within the next few days, a lot of uncertainty. But from, from looking back at past events in American history, there have been moments of tension. Do you think that those moments of tension have in a way kind of prepared us to move forward from this moment? Are, are there takeaways from those moments that can kind of ease people's fears and anxieties about getting our democracy kind of not back on track, but reaffirming their faith in our democracy? Um, well, certainly uh, uh, there have been uh, serious crises in the past. Uh, to date, uh, the uh, American experiment in free government has shown an incredible ability to muddle through but I think the best example and the uh, sort of the uh, best way to have hope going forward, uh, if one uh, reads uh, newspaper editorials or the correspondence of the Confederate government during the Civil War, uh, one comes away with a sense that uh, 
uh, Yankees were demons. Uh, they were agents of the devil. They were denounced as fiercely as conspiratorial theorists denounce uh, so-called liberals today. Uh, just this uh, savage uh, rhetoric. But when the war came to an end, when Union arms prevailed, in a surprisingly short period of time, Southerners reintegrated themselves back into the Union, and they they dropped most of that hate-filled rhetoric. vast majority of them did, not all of them. So if we were able to survive that crisis, and again, uh, three-quarters of a million Americans died in that war, that would have been 10, 12 million, given the size of the population today. If we were able to get through that, one would have to think that we can get through this current crisis. If not, there's no chance. Right. And and there is something that I, I do want to bring up in terms of a lot of the images that came out of what happened on January 6th is moving, is scary, is, is kind of shocking in a sense. But um, one of the images that a lot of people are pointing out is this one image of a man who was holding um, or carrying a Confederate uh, excuse me, Confederate flag in the um, Capitol. So I I can't remember the exact date of when the Civil War was, but there seems to be that same rhetoric that happened so many years ago carried on into today. Would, Would you say that's correct? Or where are these old beliefs? How are they still sustaining to up until this moment? Or what would what do you think of that image of the Confederate flag being carried in the Capitol? Uh, well, disgusting on one hand. But um, I think this points to the fact that the issues raised and fought over during the Civil War have never really been resolved. Uh, The war was over not only the preservation of slavery, but the preservation of white notions of supremacy and superiority. And they were triggered by dark, uh, often subconscious fears of uh, uh, black savages, the pollution of white society. And we've never really confronted that head on. Uh, Today, we call it the politics of white identity. They didn't have that phrase back then. But ever since the war and prior to the war, and this is by no means confined to the South alone, uh, white fears of um, blacks, maybe it's repressed guilt, anxiety, I don't know. But we've never really confronted that issue head on. Uh, That's why the Black Lives uh, Matter movement has reemerged. It's why the Confederate flag as a symbol of uh, undeniable white supremacy, we're going to put them in their place, retains its hold on far too many Americans. Again, they're not just Southern whites, but Northern whites as well. So... um, we still haven't worked worked through it, and uh, what it will take to do so, I really don't know. But 
it's almost as if we're still acting out uh, issues that the war brought to the civil war brought to the surface, but never really resolved. The war settled the fact that slavery as a legal institution was over and that the union was permanent, but that was about it. Mm. Well, so do you find, I mean, a lot of, one of the big topics of discussion with what happened, you know, on January 6th was that, you know, this is a great example of white privilege in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what happened at the Capitol? Do you agree with that idea? And, you know, how does that, how can we learn from that very obvious visual of what happened last Wednesday? Well, I would certainly agree with that statement regarding uh, the acting out of uh, white privilege and um, in terms of how to deal with it, um, I really don't have an answer. I don't know if, if, if anyone does, because we've never really directly confronted the issue. Uh, think of what happened in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898 when the politics of white identity, I mean, it was simply a, a coup d'etat, push that uh, took over uh, the government in Wilmington or the rage in the Tulsa riots of uh, 1920. Um, uh, And complicating the question of white privilege is uh, the fear that, um, well, uh, far too many of those who subscribe to white privilege of not yet been able to successfully adjust to the emerging uh, new economy and uh, uh, the changes that have occurred in uh, the economy that their fathers knew. So economic frustration combined with fears of permanent minority status combined with, again, just that assumption that America is for whites that the only true Americans are native-born whites, uh, Anglo-Saxon, as I used to call them. And uh, I would like to think that uh, perhaps the next decade or so we'll be able to start working through this as uh, the white minority becomes more and more of a minority and expresses their outrage and frustrations, but eventually gives in to reality. But I really don't have an answer. I wish I I did. But the answer has got to start with confronting the problem. Mm -hmm. So a lot of a lot of people are saying that this moment right now that's happening is one of the most significant points in in American history. Um, Would you agree with that? And if you do, how do you think historians are going to teach what happened on January 6th? Well, um, We often say that uh, modern history is too contemporary to actually be called history because it's still in the act of uh, interpreting itself. Um, I would think the answer to that question would depend on how things turn out in the next year or so. Uh, It could be that we simply muddle our way through and the images gradually fade. But if we seize this, seize this moment to, again, begin the debate and engage the issues, 
theoretically, it could be a major turning point. Uh, certainly, I don't think very, very many Americans ever would have dreamed that what happened last Wednesday ever could have happened. And perhaps the shock of that recognition uh, could, again, initiate a process by which it is a real turning point. But I think it's too early to uh, argue that. It's a little too facile and perhaps romantically optimistic to think so. I would like to think so, but I think only time will tell. So we do really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for giving us, you know, some really great insight into this topic. Well, again, thank you very much for having me, and I hope the podcast uh, produces some good results. And good luck. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up this episode of What the Politics. We release new episodes every Tuesday. You can find those on WNCT.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. See you guys next week.